Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. And Kara, the big news. Uh, That's no, right. The no, winner. You're not going to take the my winner, thunder. There's no thunder the taking sex, my Hold on. Hush, hold on. No. The sexiest podcaster alive. That's right. No, Adwee said I'm the sexiest listen, podcaster stop, alive. Stop. You're stealing my thunder, you narcissist. Listen. Cue the music, Rebecca. Yes, we are the champions, my friend. I like that you used Scott, we. we've we've got an exciting announcement. Rebecca, stop playing that awful music. Listen, Pivot won an award. We won Thought Leadership Podcast of the Year, which is very funny because we really do need to have some thoughts. Thought leadership. Uh, I am okay. Yes. Let me just say, I am so sick of not being objectified. I have. <laughs> My husband and everyone else I know gave me a Peloton, and I now have a girlish figure. I want, I'm sick of being appreciated for my brain. I'm sick of <laughs> this. Is is this like the Miss Congeniality Award? Do you think? <laughs> what I the mean, fuck does that leadership. even mean? Thought leadership? Have they met us? <laughs> Literally, have they met us? We're very thoughtful people, oh, I think. Thought but- le- that's literally like the least sexy award ever invented. <laughs> but the sexy award was won by me, Kara Swisher, for Recode Decode, Adweek's Tech Podcast of the Year, and no, overall no, no, the big one. Podcast yeah. of the Year. I beat Michael Barbero. I kicked Joe Rogan's ass. Yeah, I mean, I, really, it's really Seriously, fantastic. it's clear that Vox is own, Does Vox own the company that owns Adweek? I read that and I almost swallowed my tongue. I'm like, listen to me. Podcast I'm of the Year. I'm important and smart. Did you see I'm smart? I'm. I'm, I am just a really fantastic person. You're like Helen Reddy at the 1978 Grammys. You're just cleaning up everything. <laughs> I am woman, Podcast hear me roar, of the year. numbers too big to ignore. Listen to me. That's really All impressive. the white guys who yammer away like you win all the time. It yeah. is time for a lady to win the thing. I'm sorry. No, you cleaned just, up. And it, it, congratulations. You are. I think you're officially the godmother of podcasting. Seriously. I believe I am. And by the way, guess what our next stop is? Pulitzers. They just announced an audio category <laughs> Wait, for future awards. You're, you're now, you're now, you're now, you're like Harvey Weinstein, uh, uh, like out there, like trying to get yourself a Pulitzer. So I just have a quick question. I'm getting a Pulitzer, but, and then you're going to bow down to me. That's oh, all I'm like, going to say. Like I do twice a week. Anyways. Yes. You know what? Um, I'm just curious. When did you start podcasting? Like, what got you into it? Five. Five. I like. I just suddenly realized these these earphones and everything else. I think with the AirPods, it was five years ago or more. I just was sort of like lo- listening to someone. I thought this is going to be great because you're in people's ears. These a- these ear things are getting so much. So the, the, these devices are getting so much better. I was starting to listen to them, and so I grabbed an intern. I like literally was running the Recode site or doing a lot of writing and Recode site, and I just got tired of the text thing. And I thought I'm going to do this, and yeah. because I was going to take. Pop- uh, the the code conference, three hundred and sixty five days a year. It was just it was just on a whim, and Jim Bankoff let me do it, and because nobody knows whatever I'm doing, and that was that. That was the beginning of it. Thank you. That's my origin story. Huh. Wow. That's it. That's it. I just wanted to do it. Yeah, that's and all. and it's a medium that's now. I think it's going to be over a billion Huge. dollars. It's the only ad supported medium. You know, what was the first podcast I ever listened to. What. The podcast of you interviewing me on Rico Decode. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. And you know what that's I thought perfect. was? That was You know what? Because, you know, I'm a narcissist as well. I read, I listened to the whole thing, and I had one word reaction. I'm like, meh, this medium will never work. <laughs> what is You're this wrong. show? People love that episode, and that's where you predicted the Amazon Whole Foods thing. Yeah, that started that's it all. That, that's right. That built all this. This is why I'm in all a panic this, room right now. Listen to me. 
Look, it, yeah. they're going to, they're going to, the NPR has been doing, a lot of people have been doing amazing journalism, job. but we have just stepped in and grabbed what all the thunder. In any case. do you listen to? I'm just curious. What does Kara Swisher listen to other than herself? What do you uh, listen to? I listen to a lot of history podcasts. I like a historical. Like radical history, I, revisionist I, history? Like what? All kind, all of them. All of them. I listen to whatever is around. And one of the, and I do listen to other interview shows sometimes. I've always liked, you know, Terry Gross. Uh, I listen to a lot of interview stuff, but I do like the historical ones. Uh, and I also listen to historical audio uh, books on tape. Right now I'm listening to a podcast about the making of the Brooklyn Bridge, and it's riveting. Hmm. John Roebling has just died his father. God, no wonder so, we're thought leaders of the year. Can yes, you talk about I'm the Kardashians? Jeez, that's They're rough. Anyways, leaders. congratulations, Carol. That's Thank wonderful. You. Listen, well it'd be interesting to see, you know, if Spotify starts going after prestige journalism more is just the way, uh, and Apple starts putting more money yeah. in this because the way, you know, Netflix uh, going for Oscars and Golden Globes and things like that. It's just, it's an interesting, like they just did it with, with the Irishman and marriage story, yeah. which is which is interesting. We'll talk about that later. Let's talk about big stories. Yes. I want to. I want to start with a letter you wrote to Twitter's board of directors. I know you don't talk about it too much. Yep. You got a lot of attention for it. Yep. You wrote a very—you you had started this on the podcast last week, but then you wrote a very detailed open letter on your blog, No Mercy, No Malice, uh, maybe a little malice. You actively <laughs> asked uh, Omid Kordasani, who I know very well yep. when he used to work at Google, who's the executive chairman of uh, Twitter, to remove Jack Dorsey in a no-confidence vote. And you actually sort of slapped around in him. And just to be clear, you disclosed that— you you are a Twitter shareholder yeah. in the letter. Um, talk about this because it got a lot of attention. What did it get a lot of attention? Uh, so, like, I'm, I'm, we talked about this off off mic, and I'm mm-hmm. not entirely sure how to approach it because I, I want to give the company a chance to respond before uh, piling yes. on. They're but, not going to respond to you, but okay. <laughs> you never know. Uh, no, actually, I think I they will. But anyways— um, Look, the letter speaks for itself. I think Twitter needs to start commanding the space it occupies. I think if you were to look at any company that has the equivalent reach or influence, it's a company trading at 20 to 40x the valuation. Uh, I think there's there's no company in the world whose opportunity relative to its performance is this out of whack. Uh, uh, At the same time, you know, I do want to kind of move on because I don't want to. I don't want us to be accused of using this platform to pimp my financial interests. And I get that. I get that. So, but you brought up some very pertinent things. I mean, I think more to the point besides the stock. Let's move away from the stock. Yeah. Is these issues around the CEO not being present, which we talked about last week yeah. in detail, um, wanting to go to Africa and different things, and you honed in on the idea that he has two jobs, which I think has always been an issue, and that uh, that it's it, it's never been more important than ever. Like you talked about it being the Mueller report. There are a lot of very—it's a really smart—whether Scott owns the stock or not, it's a really smart analysis of the situation, and that whether it's doing well enough is another aspect to it. But one of the things is whether it's running the company well, whether it's making products well, whether, you know, with the departure of a lot of executives, um, it's never been more in the news, and yet it's—the management still continues to be up and down, even though Dorsey has done some great things, like getting rid of political ads, which I think removes a a pain point off his plate— which he has many. Well, um, well, but, well but look, we'll I, 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 the, the primary people have asked me, what would you do that's different? And I think that generally speaking, activists, investors are frustrated operators that come up with a bunch of recommendations. And then if they get on the board, what, or what's happened to me when I get on boards of companies is I generally find out that I'm not as smart as I thought and they're not as dumb as I'd hoped. So I mm-hmm. didn't make a lot of tactical recommendations, but I just think it's kind of base, a basic IQ test of corporate governance that a company that's in the midst of an election year that is potentially 
uh, been weaponized to huge effect uh, on behalf of bad actors, a company that has the kind of reach and influence and hasn't been able to monetize it. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it deserves a full-time CEO. And the issue is, that's I, not a I limb. think Jack, that's like a regular tree trunk. Many people feel. I think. I think Vigigati or someone like that should probably be. Well, and all that. To be fair, I do think Jack Dorsey is a full-time CEO. Unfortunately, he's a full-time CEO of Square, where he has 85 percent of his wealth. But anyway, I've, I've been trapped here. I'm going down a rabbit hole. We'll see what management mm-hmm. says. I appreciate you bringing it up. But let's get to other news. No, no, no. I'm no, not done with this one yet. What's interesting about this is it reminds me of uh, Chris Saka did a letter like this yep. many years ago. I don't know if you remember, yep. he was saying how. I'd run Twitter, and he's a big investor in it. You're allowed to comment on yep. it as long as you disclose. Um, and that, it, what was interesting is he got a lot of kudos. You're getting killed by the VCs. Uh, you made oh, a stupid yeah. Twitter error no, this week. Them. They piled on that. Yep, yep. What? The, the, the circling of the wagons on this is fascinating to me by a lot of Silicon Valley yeah. people in terms of they can do no wrong. And that's a really interesting issue, I think. Yeah, first off, I want to apologize. A guy named Vlad, I, 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 I apologize, I'm not getting his name wrong, but a guy named Vlad put out a tweet early in the morning uh, describing the Peloton ad. And I use the exact same language, and I should have just retweeted his tweet or given him a hat tip. And immediately the same people whose we work investment I have queered or have come after, Twitter began calling me a plagiarist, which is really nice for a professor. That feels very good. Mm. But anyways, Vlad was very gracious and responded uh, pretty much saying. But the circling of the wagons part is interesting. That was it's just a oh, dumb it's, error. I was part. expecting it. I, I expected, it's interesting, I expected on this podcast and on Twitter that mm-hmm. I would trigger a variety of cohorts. Mm-hmm. And the only people I trigger are white males between the ages of 40 and 55 when I stand, my analysis stands between them and their second billion. That is when things get really mean and ugly. Do you have a name for this? What is this? Yeah, I call them the third basers, the people who have conflated luck with talent and have decided that, that basically the arguments back and, you know, I go on my Twitter feed and look at, I wouldn't even call them arguments because I don't respond. But their basic notion is, I'm rich, so fuck you. Uh, I Ryan, must be right. You don't know. I'm they call a, you moronic. I find it. I, you yeah, know, I'm a moron. <laughs> I'm a, no data, no response <laughs> to the argument. Just I'm yeah. a moron. And yeah. it's it's literally and it's interesting because young people respond more thoughtfully. They're a little bit mm-hmm. more. They come up with data. They disagree with you. You get the bots from the crypto guys or the Tesla guys that don't make any sense. But those are just bots. But if it's an ad hominem attack. It's yeah, always really from it's, it's always from a forty to fifty five year old white male, usually in the venture capital alternative investments industry, and their basic notion is: Have you met me? Do you know who I am? And yeah. there's just absolutely no desire to have a substantive dialogue. And by the way, I would I would benefit from a substantive dialogue because I get yeah. this shit wrong all the time, and yeah. I try Should to we acknowledge have them on. The people suggest we have them on. Is Keith? I've interviewed him on the podcast, and Jason Galcanis has also been. He's trying to take your place on this podcast, I think. But one of the things that's interesting, those are among the people that complain about you. It's really interesting. I'm, it's fascinating to watch them because they never do that to me. They ne- and I'm well, yeah, but there's a difference. I'm, I'm, okay, so I've been very critical of We and Uber. And mm-hmm. the first individual you referenced is a big angel investor, and you guessed it, We and Uber. The last individual you referenced is about to go down as Adam Newman minus the charisma or good looks, as he is incinerating more capital for SoftBank at Open Door and DoorDash. So, yeah, there is a reason why these individuals— Wait, individual- who's that? Who's that? Jason? Jason's not at SoftBank. No, the, the Teal Keith? guy. The, he's not at SoftBank, is it? He's not at SoftBank. Yeah, but he's the founder of Open Door, another yes, SoftBank yes. Uh, incinerator, and also DoorDash, which will go down as 
again, another one that's not going to get out, that's incinerating yeah. literally billions. So look, well, you I just can find re- it interesting. I find it interesting because I literally have been tough on many of their companies, and I've never seen them take ad hominem attacks. I think that's listen, guys, y'all, Keith and Jason. Besides the fact that I have to threaten you physically with my children, <laughs> thanks for that. Um, which I, I hope you know, I will. I will have my children take care of it if you'd like. But uh, you, cut, you know, make some. If you're going to do this on Twitter, calling a moron is not really the way to do it. You look like idiots, and you need to actually have some cogent arguments that he can then respond. Scott can then respond to. And if not, I will send my children after you. How's that? I like it. Thanks for that. I feel All much right. safer but I now. I agree with you. They, they the moron. It's like ridiculous. It's ridiculous. They need to like make their arguments. Besides, I'm rich and you're not. Um, that, that they really do. They're, they need to have some anal- cogent analysis, and we dare them. We double dare them because we're award winning now to come. That's after right, us. sexiest podcasters. <laughs> there we go. Sexiest. We did not win sexiest yeah, podcast alive. It just doesn't exist. Leaders. Although. We should award it to ourselves. Listen, the other thing, uh, speaking of Uber, uh, they released a report detailing and analyzed incidents of sexual assault in their ride shares, yeah. uh, as they had promised they were going to. Uh, the company disclosed more than 3,000 incidents of sexual assaults that have another ride. That's about eight assaults a day. Obviously, they do billions of rides. That was their that was their sort of talking point. Um, but it's the first time that the, any major ride-hailing service has released this kind. Scott, can you talk about this from a brand strategy or PR perspective? They just got booted from London for misconduct. Is this yeah. transparency an attempt to get ahead of the issues or just a smart brand and optics management? Well, the first thing is, and I, I, I'm really curious for your thoughts. The first thing is it's it's shocking, right? And then mm-hmm. as a data person, you immediately go, well, is this is this a, is this – is it worse on Uber, or is this just a function of someone actually doing the data around what happens with ride-hailing and taxi cabs? But, I, I mean, at first, it really shocks you. It's already changed my behavior. I was starting to think that I could have Ubers take my kids to Little League practice, and there's just no way I'm going to do that now. I mean, right. it really was it was shocking and upsetting. Uh, but the second that you go to the next thing, my, my genuine belief here is that trying to get out ahead of the issue and be somewhat transparent and take the lead around it is a smart move. Um, mm-hmm. And they did, They did. I think, concurrently announce some of the safety features they're trying to build in. So, like, I think they get – it's easy It's easy to – it's a problem. And they're trying is, – is this something specific to Uber about their culture? I don't think it is. I think it's something specific to, to the activity that's creating a dangerous atmosphere. Yeah. But uh, to a certain extent, just having the data out there is – is productive because I do think you're going to see action against it and hopefully a reduction in it. But again, it's another thing as a as a male. I, I just never would have. I, you're safe in the back of a car. People don't start acting weird with you. I mean, they might mm-hmm. take the wrong bridge and then you go insane. But I've never, as a you know, a six two male, I've never felt threatened. So again, well, welcome. That is my column in the New York Times this week. Oddly enough, about the safety, this idea around safety. Yeah. I think what's interesting what do you think is, is you're right. You're right. Human beings behave whether you're in a hotel or a car sharing. You're going to get these kind of behaviors everywhere. Yeah. Like no matter what you're selling, kind of if you have these encounters, uh, it happens in taxis. It's happened. You know, taxis would be the the most. It's obviously there's been lots of assaults. There's tons and tons of assaults in taxis. And no one's really keeping track of those particularly. Um, and so that's good that they're keeping track. That That's one of the things. But I think uh, Uber, from its early days, did not focus on safety in any way. That did not, did not make sure they vetted the drivers, um, did not ensure, 
you know, that, that, that this was the safest ride, did not bet the cars. And so this is what's coming to haunt them, I think, in that way. And I think that under Dark Ostrachi, I think they're trying to do that. Yeah. Obviously, there's issues around payments and things like that that are still problematic for this company and economics. But they didn't do this for the longest time, and they did not take the – they didn't do a very good job of vetting. They didn't do a very good job of safety. And now they're trying to backfill that this problem. And so – and the reason being, as which I which is what I'm going to argue in the New York Times column this week, is that these people have never felt unsafe a day in their lives, and therefore they don't understand they don't it. Empathize. Like you we don't said. empathize. Yeah, you don't it's, em- not empathize because you would. You're not going to want to go yay this. But there's been enough incidents of them for them to understand that they need to be not perfect, but they certainly need to try harder. And so this is a great move. Um, I did talk to Dara about it, um, and you know he he rec- you know he's sort of every day. It's 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 incoming essentially. But this I think was a good thing for them to do. I think they have to keep doing it. And then then yeah. besides releasing this data, they got to say what they're going to do about it. Like very cogent things that they need to do to make this a safer because it's going to be uns- there's going to be some level of lack of safety no matter how you slice it when humans come together but yeah. uh, they, they could do a better job that's my well thing. Roger McNamee who I, I'm a big fan of he had a tweet that sort of summarized the issue and the problem and it goes to the gestalt of big tech and that is big tech a big component of their value add is innovation, their incredible products, regulatory arbitrage where they just bomb into a na- uh, city and believe they can overwhelm yeah. the local authorities. There's, quite frankly, exploitation of people where they figure out that a lot of people who aren't working have smartphones so they can put them to work for mm-hmm. below minimum wage standards. Uh, but there's also the basic gestalt that, that wraps around all of it is how do we make this process more frictionless such that it can scale like no other category, like no other business in this category. So anything that adds friction, checking a driver's background, uh, a, a probation period for the driver, right, installing a camera in the car, anything that adds friction, it gets a red light from moment one. And the reality is all of these safety, all of these issues, all of this porous nature that makes the platform weaponized, subject to abuse, that you can you can reach out and DM on Instagram underage girls, all of these things are a function of these aren't evil people, but part of their gestalt around building shareholder value, their DNA, is to never acknowledge or greenlight anything that might result in friction of scale. Friction, and the majority right. of the problems come from their inability to recognize that friction is a component of safety and of, of responsibility, yes. like mature, mature, mature you construction just used of businesses. two thoughtful words, friction and gestalt. Several friction times. and gestalt. <laughs> there you go. Friction there gestalt. There you go. My wife's German. <laughs> like I a... use those words for foreplay. <laughs> oh, God, I knew that would happen. It's well, sometimes I dress up. Gestalt. I dress it's up like Poland, and she invades me. That's All our right, Sunday no, night. No, 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 no. That is not happening. <laughs> That's that some good Cold War humor. That's and some it's good, a good Cold call War humor. To take a quick break before that is your one. You get one every okay, episode. That's you. all you thank get, you and that. that is it. The horrible thank Polish you. sex joke, and it's not going. Poor Eric any Anderson. She's all right, like, okay, I have had Scott. It with this time guy. for a quick break. I have had it with this guy. Back, listen. I am the podcaster of the year, so just back down. Sexiest podcaster alive. (laughs) No. Okay, Scott, time for a quick break. We'll be right back with more pivot. What bullshit. More pivot. Hush up. Okay, we're back. We've tamed Scott, Kara Swisher, comma, podcast of the year, comma, has Mm. managed to do her excellent job. Scott. 
We're going to do listener mail now. You got an interesting email last week from someone who wanted to remain anonymous about their experience at WeWork. They said that their family member worked as a salesperson at the company for about six months before quitting. They were paid more on commission than the rent the tenant was paying for WeWork for the entire lifetime of the lease they signed. Uh, Scott, can you talk about this from a management perspective? Basically, this shows they were indications this model was going to fail long before their S1, and this is what the listener, you know, said. This is a Ponzi scheme, essentially. So what do you think about that? I'm seriously, my mind stopped. I still can't get over the fact you beat out the Daily for Podcast of the Year. Anyways, my brain's just catching up to what's going on today. <laughs> but anyways, so like, you know who caused this, this listener what? mail thing? Uh, Amazon. And that is Amazon basically reconstructed or reshaped the relationship between investors and the marketplace. And as a result, absolutely reshaped behavior and capital allocation. Now, how did this happen? How are we getting to WeWork? But go ahead. Let me see this. I'll get there. It's a a long, windy road. But I'm a thought leader. I'm a thought leader. (laughs) Let me just do a Michael Barbero voice. Hmm. Go on. Hmm. No, go, go on. Hmm. So. Hmm. Anyways, uh, hmm. uh, you know him. I'd love to have some dirt on him. He's I very intriguing he's to lovely. me. Anyways, there's look, gonna, there's, for, the first time, for the first time in history, uh, a company got third most valuable company in the world and arguably the most influential company in the world with almost no or negligible profitability. And mm-hmm. what Amazon taught the markets to do, which drive everything as compensation typically drives everything, is they taught the markets to replace profits with vision and growth. And so yes, all of a sudden, I see companies, where you're going. I see. Mm-hmm. companies take mm-hmm. a page out of that book and go, as long as we can massively grow the top line, profitability takes a distant number two. So if we, as a means of growing our top line faster than any real estate company in history, can incentivize brokers to get any any tenant in these these 10 new buildings or facilities we're opening up every week and create a top-line growth that is unprecedented in the world of real estate, if we build it, they will come, they being massive shareholder value, even if it means an economic model that makes no sense, including giving 100% of the commission to the broker responsible for growing that top line. All right, so, so why did it go wrong here? Like, it worked for Amazon. Amazon was people not, were people not paying attention? What was different here in this WeWork situation? Well, everybody needs a little bit of sugar, and then there's diabetes, right? So mm-hmm. what happened as a, as a species, we were, it was drilled into us to want salty, fatty, bloody food. But once it became produced institutionally, our, our instincts didn't catch up, and now we have tremendous obesity in this country. And what's happened here is that uh, investors are starting to catch up with the fact that we are overindulging, or companies are overindulging in this notion of replacing profits with growth. And Amazon always had positive gross margins. I mean, in the year Amazon went public, I think it lost $30 million. Yeah, it, wasn't it, losing, yeah. it wasn't losing $100 million a week. It was week. a big deal. It was called Amazon.bomb. I don't know if you remember those headlines and stuff like that. Yeah, I think a lot thought, of people, people, people were onto it then. It's just that Wall Street gave them a pass, and Jeff Bezos just didn't communicate with Wall Street that much. The Google guys were the same way. So this is, this is an idea that worked on steroids, and the marketplace has figured out this isn't, this isn't just wanting a little bit of sugar, a little bit of red meat, a little bit of fatty food. This is out of control. This is, this is come to the point where, and it's a new class of company. It's a company where for a, short, for a short time, a dumb investor or cheap capital fuels valuation as a function of top line growth. And they have access to that cheap capital and they're what I would deem incinerators. And there's no prospect of profitability. Amazon always had a fairly bright line path or a fairly obvious path 
to profitability. The only other company that's been able to get away with this to the same extent and has managed mm -hmm. to replace top line growth with quote unquote subscribers is Netflix. Netflix, you're right. For everybody else, it's like at one point, at some point, the music stops. But, but, but let me, before we move on to Winsome Hills, what is the differentiation? Why do they get, why does Amazon and Netflix get a pass and WeWork and others do not? Because Amazon, there was a path, I mean, for a lot of, a lot of reasons. I mean, I mean, WeWork was no Amazon. Uh, we, uh, Amazon got to a point where it was pretty clear if they stopped massively investing in everything or marketing from, or whatever, yeah. yeah, not even marketing, but investment in smart speakers, fulfillment. I mean, they were making true investments that were going to result in flywheels. They had uh, Amazon Web Services, which I would argue is the most valuable company in the world right now, which is stuck mm -hmm. in another company. Whereas WeWork, let's look at it, was building no moats. It was no just moats. massively buying top line. It was um, guilty of incredibly poor governance. Its flywheel effect uh, spun out things like we work, we live, a, a, a school. None of these things made absolutely any sense. And it was genuinely investing just to create the illusion and burning capital, whereas Amazon was yep. investing in moats that would ultimately return shareholder value. There's just a, an enormous moats. difference. I talk about moats a lot. You have to build moats. Well, That's moats right. Flywheel. Amazon is the moatiest moat of uh, its convenience, whether it's price, whether it's uh, logistics. They have so many. And, and they, they got they, into they, operating margin. They immediately, um, not immediately, but I think 10 years into their to their life, they, they went profitable for a quarter. I just think as a means to show the market, the moment we want to be profitable, folks, we can get there. Well, and just to was, finish this up, back back in the day, AOL was always saying, if we just stop marketing, we'd make right. money. If you remember, that was their right. little line. And, and of course, it's like you can't – the revenue growth, the top line isn't going to grow without your crazy disks everywhere and stuff and like that. And cereal boxes, so Jan Brandt, remember her? Yep. Jan, yep. I know Jan. Jan Brandt had a whole table made out of disks. Yeah. That she yeah, I, I, I've to. actually uh, adopted a lot of her phraseology. She had a great line that I thought was hilarious. She used to get on stage at AOL conferences when I started Red Envelope. You had to go to AOL and basically kiss their ring to try and be yeah. the only place that was doing e-commerce called AOL Marketplace, run by a guy named Greg Chauvin, ended up becoming a close friend. Talk mm -hmm. about how the world has changed. And she used to get on stage and say, to resist is futile. We're going to put a disc <laughs> everywhere. And it's just, you're gonna, it's going to be impossible. Yeah, Jan Brandt's a great, that is an unsung woman. character in the history of the internet. She's quite a bit in my book, but she's great. She's a great person. Oh, that's too. right. You wrote, you wrote a book on AOL. Yes, I did. I know Jan <laughs> Brandt. But I remember the table. It weighs like 400 tons. She, 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 I think she's tired of hauling it around, but it was made of discs. Anyway, uh, wins and fails, Scott. That is a really cogent. By the way, that was a th another thoughtful thought leadership position. Go on. You just feel sorry for me because all your <laughs> buddies so, are being mean to me. I, you just not feel my sorry. Buddies. Are you kidding? Yeah. They're not yeah. my buddies. If you can't stand just, the heat, get out of the they're kitchen. They're not mean to you. They're not. They're mean to you and not mean to me. It's all largely because I'm more on powerful the finale of Silicon Valley, if you, which you did not know. Also, You're in my more powerful greatest. than me. Me and Dick Costello were there. Um, he hasn't attacked you. That's interesting. And he was the CEO of, Uber, of Twitter. Excuse me. All right. Oh, Dick. He's a nice guy. The comedian guy? The yeah, former comedian? Nice. Yeah, I met yeah. him in Europe. He seemed like a lovely guy. He's lovely. He's quite lovely. Um, anyway, so wins and fails. So uh, I'm going to do my wins first this week besides myself and you. Yeah. So, is it a side note? Um, is uh, two. I can't decide between the Wonder Woman <laughs> videos and posters, the new trailer. Yeah. I love Wonder Woman. I cannot yeah. stand Linda it Carter, much. I, love I met through you. I, I, I love that Wonder you. Woman. Yeah. And secondly, Ryan Reynolds' Aviation Gin ad. Oh, I, that was uh, mine. Go so on. I'll good. give you this oh. one. 
That was great. You take that one as your win. I'll take Wonder Woman. I'll take Wonder Woman is such a great brand. They've done such an amazing thing at it. It yeah. looks like a sexy as heck movie. The 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 visuals. I love the director Patty Jenkins. She is a huge talent. Literally, what a talent! You can see like just from the trailer. I, all I want to do is go see this movie. It's crazy in the theater actually. So that is my win this week. Uh, so you may go on with the aviation gin. Everyone talks about agility in the context of, of a bunch of programmers putting out a product quickly or, or copying a Snapchat feature into Facebook. That's what agility has come to mean. But agility and creativity, there's still creativity still matters. And Ryan Reynolds, who I think is this, I think he's just this incredible talent. I don't know how he much really he was is. involved in the production of this, but they saw an opportunity with the Peloton ad, which kind of documents the heartwarming journey of a 116-pound model to 114 pounds over 12 months. <laughs> that, And by the way, I stole that from Twitter, and I don't know who you are. I apologize. <laughs> if you reach out to me, I will credit you or hat tip you. Anyways, it's— you Twitter thief. But you know what's really interesting? AJ—oh, God, I wish I—there uh, was a fascinating—I'm going off script here on the Peloton ad. Mm-hmm. There was a fascinating— um, Analysis breakdown by, uh, and I'll retweet, I think it's a her, this copywriter saying, why do we hate this ad so much? And there was a real genius, uh, um, I think her name is AJ Smolin. There was a real genius insight, and that was, it was filmed um, as if you were the husband giving her that bike, Mm -hmm. and they put you immediately in this feeling of like, okay, I'm a fucking idiot, thoughtless husband, and it made you squirm. Because yeah. it immediately said it wasn't it wasn't done in the third person. I guess that's the second person, and you yeah. were the husband, which immediately made you feel very uncomfortable. Yeah. And I thought that is just that was such a genius insight oh. because you see the commercial and don't you immediately go, this feels kind of awkward. I yeah, I, I, I wouldn't give my wife a Peloton for Christmas, and they're saying I am giving. They, they put you in those shoes, anyways. Oh, I thought so aviation aviation gins. Agility. They immediately found her name is Monica Ruiz. By the way, this is the best thing that's ever happened to her. She um, did a good job in that ad too. <laughs> oh, she was fantastic. <laughs> and her friends were. It was so pitch perfect. It was great, and so, she did a great job. We have it a just, mutual win. I hope it keeps going, like one of those old Kodak ads with Marriott Hart. No, you and I. And you and I. Gardner. I want to hear on Twitter how many people think think podcaster of the year, podcaster of the century, and sexiest podcaster alive, thought leader of the year, big fucking deal. Anyways, how many think we should do a Peloton ad? We should you and I should absolutely do a Peloton ad. Peloton, you have been our sponsor. You, we will do a Peloton. I have a Peloton. We should do a Peloton. That would be so good. I like Peloton, too. I think it's a—you know, it's Let one of the few me. consumer tech companies whose stock is actually it. up I, from the IPO. I don't care what Wall Street says. i got to tell you, the product is amazing. They're tre- I just tried yeah. their treadmill. No, it's up. Amazing. It, the, I use their app. I use it for yeah. meditation. I do it for all kinds of things when I'm thinking big yeah. thoughts that I need to do because I'm a thought leader. Um, <laughs> I, use all, I, I use it for exercise. They have all these exercises. Like I, I, it's a combination of— like a Calm app, the seven-minute yeah. app. It's great. I'm no, sorry. No, they do a great job. Apple-like margins, recurring revenue, Lovely. an app distinct to the hardware. What will be really interesting What will be really interesting is as they come up on the first years of public company that they disclose their churn and renewal and dollar renewal rates. This will be really, really interesting. I think that I would buy it again. I think Apple should buy it. That's my feeling. All right, That's fails, fails. I don't think this is a fail, but I know you will. This okay. will be mine. Elon Musk won the defamation case, which I think you I think said. You think that's a fail? Probably. No, I don't think it's a fail. I think it's a win for Elon. I I would agree. I thought this is just ridiculous to pull this Twitter scream yeah. fest. You did not. You were quite like, how dare he do this? But yeah, I but was I wanna, like, come on. I want to be clear. I think you can do things that are wrong. I think it was wrong for him to call a cave diver, who I would argue is a hero, um, a pedophile. I thought it was wrong. Yeah. 
But yeah. I don't think there's a legal remedy. I think you can say mean things and do mean things, and it doesn't necessarily mean you should be in court. Yeah. So I, I don't I actually think the court got this right. I don't think it fell under the true legal definition of defamation. And I think occasionally people can do mean things to you and it doesn't necessarily mean there's a legal remedy. So I think the court's got it right. I also, to his credit, on the stand, he said, I apologize. I just should have said well done and moved on. So I think there was an actual moment of, of self, I don't know, self-awareness. But think yeah. about this, distinct of the morality or whether you think it was right. Should the CEO of a company that's trying to put a man on Mars or trying to electrify uh, the automobile industry, should he be spending time in court defending tweets? No, that was it's, true. That was, it's that just was an true. error in judgment. And the thing is, no one on his board, I think, has been able to get through to him and go, okay, do you want to think about picking your battles a little bit more here? Anyway, I, I don't... I don't think I think the court got it right, um, and I do think he I, I think he handled himself or acquitted himself well on uh, yeah, on, he, on the stand. S- speaking of which, he's been driving his cyber truck around L.A. right now, and he what ran do you over. Think like, of that a thing. I'm, I'm totally flummoxed by that thing. Have you seen it? Is that a word? Have you is that seen a thought it? leader word? Befuddled. No, befuddled. he's driving it around. I'm going to try to get a ride with him when I'm in L.A. I'm going to get him to drive me around. That's what I'm doing. Oh my God! He's, he like, hit his pylon. Apparently, I love. He's just—he's off to his next thing. <laughs> but have you seen? I, I literally—if someone gave you a million chances to sketch what the the pickup truck from Tesla would look like, it looks like something. Looks like that Simpsons episode where, where Homer gets to design a car. And <laughs> I just—I look at the thing. I'm like, that's a pickup. It's either genius or it's going to be the biggest fail. I can't—I can't figure it out. What is your fail? What is your fail? Uh, well, my, I, my fail. fail is more of a rant. Um, All right, about a way. About, it is a fail. It wasn't a good story. This is a story about The Verge published a story about the history of bullying from yeah. the CEOs of Away, largely one of the CEOs. Um, and and then the company sent out an email telling employees not to talk about or share the story. It's, you know, it's a tough environment. And yeah. they, they this was a piece about how tough the environment is. And and this it just wasn't a very attractive photo of the of a company. It was not a, pic, a good picture of the company. And it seemed rather accurate from all they seem to be insane on slack so what do you think you have you have you do not think this is a fail necessarily. Well, I, I think that, i think there's a word for that kind of stressful unfair high pressure full body contact company that is that you're not going to find justice in and it's called startup and i think that we like to think there's this hallmark channel version of startups and that that we can build amazing value and billions of dollars by giving everybody paternity leave and having snacks and mm-hmm. saying to everybody, "Oh no, you're, you know, you're not feeling well. Go home." I, I have never been involved in a company that's been able to get out of infancy and create real value mm-hmm. without management being, you know, all over everyone all the fucking time and creating an atmosphere of what I'll call productive chaos. And then, and then some productive people, chaos. and then some people, that's nice too. Uh, and then some people obviously emerge and become managers themselves. But I, I startups, if you're looking for quality of life or balance and it's not aspirational, do not go to a startup. And I meet it. Quite frankly, I read it and thought, oh, I would invest in that company. And Interesting. It's, it's not aspirational, but folks, and maybe other people have. I have never worked in a company that's created billions of dollars in value from zero 
without, quite frankly, the sausage getting made. It is right, a tough, intense back. environment. Go ahead. We had them on the stage at Code uh, Commerce, yep. uh, as you know. Um, and, you know, they ha- they sort of have this happy, shiny look. Yep. Um, a- anyway, they, they, they sort of try to do this, hey, we have all these values. They do put – it's sort of like Google pushing this don't be evil line. You think they're And then really presiding over right. really egregious sexual harassment, egregious treatment yep. of, of women, you know, and then not doing anything about it. And so yep. – or, or whatever they do, whatever they do. I mean, I just, you know, one of the things about the, I'll go to the Google story in the fail, is that this investigation continues at Google over over what happened around a, a number of executives there and how they handled a number of executives yeah. badly, it looks like. And I think there's no, like, they sort of get out of it because, you know, they get to leave with this sort of, kudos, the founders are leaving and this and that, but there's more there. Like, you know what I mean? The timing is not... It's not coincidental, for example. And so yeah. what I do think, I th- agree with you that there's that there's a startups are ain't pretty, like startups ain't pretty kind of thing. But it is irritating uh, to sort of push this idea of your specialness and how much you care about your employees when just say, like, this is going to be a hard It's inconsistent. That's you know, point. Jeff Bezos never pretended it was a rose garden over there. Never, neither did it's Microsoft, really. So uh, yeah. I, I just don't like when they do this, like— happy, shiny people thing, the way Google has done. And and it's not so happy. It's not so shiny. And that's my irritation. And that's where the fail is. Uh, I agree with you, though, on on the the thing. That said, you can push employees way too hard and be, like, insanely non-professional. Agree. Um, And also, there is is something to be said just in terms of competitive advantage. If you can provide people who have different needs and aren't maybe young and and have – can't focus 110 percent of the time at work, if you can create an environment – where you do give s- certain people more flexibility. And quite frankly, they probably aren't going to make as much. But I think if you do offer those opportunities, you end up uh, with a better company. But, I, I mean, I just look back on every startup. And maybe I'm a yeah, bad manager. I, I look back on no, every startup I've been on that worked. And, oh, my gosh, it was it was full body contact. It was ugly. Balance wasn't a word we ever used. Yep. Yep, I used um, to work late at night at the Washington Post and places like that. I don't, I, yeah. I don't recall it being like it's. It, there is an interesting mentality of people now being able to speak out on Slack or wherever they can talk out or Twitter or wherever, where they like the complaints are. See, there's. I, I hate to like differentiate. There are legitimate complaints, yeah. and there are other ones, especially around sexual harassment and and behavioral issues, yeah. and abuse. And then there's oh, just suck it up. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. It, it takes this long uh, to do this. And so it's a really – it's it, in this environment, I think it's – you cannot be hypocritical saying one thing on one hand and, and behaving yeah. in a different way. You just say, you know what? Just like you're saying, start – it ain't pretty. The yeah. sausage, it ain't pretty. And so but it, I don't think it was a very good look for them, uh, and especially because it's these two women running it and everything else. It's not – it's not a – it's not – it wasn't a – a good look, and they're under enormous pressure because everyone's trying to copy their business, their their business. They're well, and really they have to support they have to support a tech valuation on a, on a luggage company. Yeah, it's it's just I think most most recent valuation is one point four billion, which is greater than what Toomey was. I mean, this is yeah. this is a company that's got to again pull off this kind of yoga babble illusion that it's a tech company, not a company that that shapes plastic into a comp- into a thing you put your toiletries in and and. Sh- so they shove. found a they found a, an area of the market that wasn't. Taken advantage of. They oh, it, it's a great product. And by the way, if you're ever if you're ever in an airport with a bunch of cool looking aspirational people, half those suitcases are away. It's just whether or not I. Yeah. I want to be clear. I love the company. 
I just don't love the valuation. Right. I just think the valuation's gotten ahead of Well, let of me itself. give full disclosure. Away is advertising with us this week, spending oh, some of that money. But there it's really, it's a div- it's an interesting, It's a, uh, they have found a niche in the marketplace at the same time. Mm-hmm. that This yeah. is the kind of thing they're going to have to accept. And at the same time, employees are, it's a really, it's, a, it's, it's sort of, it's typical of so many Silicon Valley companies. Uh, and in in terms of how they behave, and it's a really it's a it's a it's a fascinating time. Anyway, Scott, predictions. What's your I don't prediction? have one this week, Kara. I'm going to predict that you're going to be impossible now with all these wins. I can't <laughs> believe I'm still I still can't believe you beat the Daily and Joe Rogan. Like who, I did, and I didn't did? use weed, and I don't have that. Smooth jazz voice, as I said in my tweet. My God, congratulations! I, I mean this sincerely. Congratulations! That's a nice moment for you. Thank That's you. Really I'm going to win the Pulitzer now. I'm already focused on the Pulitzer, my friend. I shouldn't okay. even say that because you're not supposed to. Now I won't get one because they're very, they're very much snottier than that these guys. That is super impressive. Something, anything. Think about it. We're yeah. in. Yeah. We're in the only ad-supported medium that's growing. You're you're literally the person of the year in a medium, mm-hmm. in a medium. Right. Like you're done. Medium. Ring the bell. Peace I'm out. Drop the mic. The I have, speaking of which, I have a great interview today with uh, Neil Katyal, who is a Supreme Court litigator, solicitor, and that's and he used to be a solicitor general, I think, uh, He about the impeachment. And he also does a lot of tech uh, law. So it was yeah. really, I, I, I just want to say I'm, I'm going to continue to do. Someone was oddly enough saying, Kara, get in your lane. Like, stay away from politics. What is your else. lane? That's what I want to know. What, oh, my define, God. I was so furious. Your so lane is a fucking four. 405. Your Listen. your lane is a San Andreas fault. Define your lane. <laughs> I hate when men say that. It's only men that say that to me, by the way. Stay in your lane. I was yeah. like, you know what? Tech affects Stay everything. Uno. Dose. I'm going to interview anyone the fuck oh, I want. Here comes the Spanish. Here comes the Spanish. <laughs> here comes. Me llamo Cara. Oh. Oh, Speaking God. of which, it was the Go to the Biblioteca, Kara, and collect gonna, your award. I'm gonna, we're going to close soon. But listen, the, I went to see Knives Out. And my the Is funniest part was that discussion of immigration that Don Johnson had with the actress. I don't, play, I don't know her name. I forget her name. Mira Delmar. Well, Mira. But Alma this, Delmar. Are you from Paraguay? Are you from Ecuador? Like, it was like, Knives Out was brilliant. Cute brilliant. movie. Scott, really nice movie. Yeah. I can't believe you gave me a movie recommendation that I took up on. Do you liked? It's loved. a cute movie, isn't it? Yeah, I watched Deadpool 2 with my son. It was just me and my son this weekend. It was really nice. Oh, Deadpool 2 is great. Brian yeah, Reynolds. It's hilarious. Aviation it's hilarious. But I'm saying that was a great movie. I'm thrilled that it's doing so well. I'm thrilled that it's yeah. doing so well because it's a smart movie. It was a complex movie. It was a movie like a they used violence. to be. Good so. for the whole family. 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's really good. I rec- We recommend it very much. And it's also super funny. It's super, the whole thing is is a wonderful movie. It's very, it's hard to follow, which in a good way, like it's, I mean, it's good. It's interesting to follow. Anyway, I really appreciate it. And, uh, but that one, the whole scene around uh, her, the, the, the woman who's the nurse, it's just, <laughs> with Don Johnson was very funny. Yeah, About immigration. Anyway, it was very funny. Scott? It's time for us Kara. to go. We're going to be back on Friday for a week's wrap-up. We still have more to talk about. And more kudos, I say, for me mostly, but you too. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally in that moment. I literally was registering an emotion. I'm like, well, I actually think I care about Kara because I'm actually proud of you. And then you despoiled it. I, I love that. I'm trying to do it. Kudos to me. That's kudos, it. Yes, listen, kudos we, to you. We the are unsung thought heroes. leaders. Re- we're going to get T-shirts. Heroes. Rebecca Sinanis and Erica on Anderson. T-shirts. We're going to have Thought Leader t-shirts, TL, we're the TL, we are Thought, thought leaders. Leader. God, I just, I, Thought Leadership, everyone loves me for my brain, it fucking sucks. All right, sexiest podcaster. I will give you that award, I will give you that award. 
but it's my, I'm lying. My brain can't wear lie. high heels and date Brad Pitt. What is right. going on here? <laughs> In any what case, is going on here? Podcaster go of the year, Kara Swisher, <laughs> 2019. Yes, that is my All right, we got to go. All right, it's time for us to go. We'll be back Friday for a week wrap-up. In the meantime, we love your feedback. Tell us what you think by tweeting to us at hashtag pivot podcast or email us questions at pivot at voxmedia.com today's show was produced by rebecca sananis eric anderson is pivot's executive producer and thought leader rebecca by the way is best producer of the year That's thanks right. also to rebecca castro and drew burrows make sure you subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts, and if you're an android user check us out on spotify or frankly wherever you listen to podcasts if you liked our show please recommend it to a friend thanks for listening to pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next week with another breakdown of all things tech and business and a lot of leading thoughts. <laughs>